Good morning, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to be here with you. Uh, bring greetings from your sister congregation in Phillipsburg, New Jersey, about 82 miles away, an hour and 38 minutes, give or take, depending on the lights. But I bring you greetings from Calvary Community Church in Phillipsburg. Please turn your uh, in your bulletin, or if you have your Bible, to our scripture reading this morning, which is Philippians chapter 4. We'll be reading verses 2 through 9. We'll be focusing on verses 6 through 9, but we'll read the surroundings so that we get an idea of what's going on in the passage before we, we dive in. And sometimes it can be a little bit difficult, as I assume that you're in a regular series, and now you're taking a break and now diving into something new. So we'll get an idea of what's going on, and then continue. This is God's holy word. I entreat Euodia, and I entreat Syntyche, to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women, who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. May God bless this reading and our hearing of his holy word, and let us ask his blessing on our study this morning. Heavenly Father, what a pleasure and a privilege it is to gather together as your people in your house. We ask that you would be with us to eliminate all earthly and worldly distractions. Lord, we thank you for this sanctuary, not only of place in this building, but also of time, and that this time can be devoted completely to you. Lord, we ask that you would minister to our souls, and may your word sink deep into our hearts. In Christ's name, amen. So perhaps you can relate to the woman who for 10 years, 10 years, spent night after sleepless night tossing and turning because she was afraid. She was afraid that there would be a burglar who would rob her and her husband while they slept at night. Well, you know what happened. One night, as she and her husband were getting ready to go to sleep, they heard a noise downstairs. So the husband crept down the staircase, and he turned on the kitchen light, and there he was, a young man, just getting ready to rob him. And he says, Good evening! It's wonderful to meet you. Hold, stay right there. Let me go get my wife because she's been waiting 10 years to meet you. 
And you might say, well, yes, this woman was right to worry, to spend night after night in sleepless aggravation and fear because there could be somebody that's robbing her house downstairs. But then you might say to yourself, well, night after night, week after week, year after year, she tossed and she turned, and guess what? The very thing that she was afraid of ended up happening anyway. The burglar came. So what's the solution for worry and anxiety as this fearful woman experienced and suffered under, and suffered under willingly for 10 years? What's the solution for the anxiety that you and I feel and experience that we suffer under willingly? Well, we see this in Philippians 4. We see the solution. It is the peace of God. It is the peace of God. We don't need to spend any more nights in sleepless fear and anxiety because, believer, we have the peace of God. There are three ingredients to this peace. Look with me at our passage in Philippians 4, 6 through 9. The first is that the peace of God will guard you through thankful prayer. The peace of God will guard you through thankful prayer. Second, in verse 8, we'll see that the peace of God will guard you through praiseworthy thinking. Through praiseworthy thinking. And then lastly, in verse 9, the God of peace will be with you through Paul-like obedience. It's through obedience. So let's take each in turn. Let's walk through the passage together. And let's start with verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, anxiety is not necessary. We don't have to go through this. Anxious people are those who depend on themselves, on their own abilities, on their own resources. Anxiety is not the same. We'll just make this disclaimer right up front. Anxiety is not the same as careful concern. Concern is different. Paul has concern for the churches that he's planted throughout his missionary journeys, but he's not worried about them. He doesn't experience anxiety over them. He is concerned for them. Anxiety, rather, is like a mental meat cleaver, which divides your focus on what is necessary. Worry and anxiety can be compared to a rocking chair, which gives you plenty to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. The peace of God, on the other hand, gives the believer a gracious calm, where we see the circumstances of life in their proper perspective. The circumstances that we face are important, and they are significant, and they might feel overwhelming, but our God is never overwhelmed by the circumstances that we have in our lives. He is in sovereign control over everything. And not only that, is that he is working all things for the good of his people. So he is in control. And we may not be in control of our circumstances all of the time, or any of the time it might feel like, but we know the one who is. That is our Heavenly Father who cares for us. And no one can ever snatch us out of his hand. And so the peace of God gives us the right perspective on God. 
before even it gives us the right perspective on our circumstances. So you see how the peace of God is the polar opposite of anxiety. It gives us focus on the right thing, which is our Heavenly Father, on God. And we need to keep in mind that, the, that God in Christ is the source of this peace. It is only because Christ has made the way of reconciliation between a holy God and a sinful, finite, dusty creature that we can have peace with him and he with us. That we can have peace amongst ourselves. That we can have peace within as well. It is only in Christ that Jew and Gentile can get along, as we read in Ephesians chapter 2. He has made the bridge of reconciliation first with God, and then by extension. So that's vertical, and then by extension, the horizontal. It is only because of Christ that we can have peace. You ever wonder why you see all of these things happening in the world, and it seems so crazy? The world is not as crazy as it could be, or even by rights should be. It is only the restraining hand of God that keeps it from going all the way to total destruction. It is God who has it in control, and he is working all things for our good. You might say, well, let's look at the passage. We say, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Well, wouldn't it now make sense? If God is the one who is in sovereign control over it all, that I should bring my cares, my concerns to him. Peter tells us to bring our anxieties to him, for he cares for us. So should we not go to the one who has control rather than us in our own measly, finite resources? So bring your petitions, bring your anxieties, bring your worries to God. Lay them at his feet because he is far more trustworthy, far more reliable, far more faithful than we could ever be. So bring them to him in prayer. But you might say, well, I have done that. And guess what? I feel the same. Actually, I might even feel a little worse after praying. Well, that's an area for our sanctification, isn't it? But look what Paul says. He says, not just by prayer and supplication, but with thanksgiving, make your requests be known to God. So not only do we pray for that stressful job situation or the ruptured relationship you have with a family member or the, the news that you see on TV or that you read online, and it becomes overwhelming and overbearing. In every situation that we face, in every circumstance that we encounter, there is an item of thanks. Sometimes we feel like we have to look for it really hard, but it's there. And we give God thanks. We give God thanks that we have a job that stresses us out, that he has provided for us in that way. We thank God that he is the one who can mend any ruptured relationship. And we give God thanks for his common grace in our nation and in our world. Things are not as bad as they could be and are not accelerating downward as fast as they could be. There is always an item of thanks. And so when you pray, do not only just bring your request and lay it at the throne, but make your request with 
thanksgiving with a thankful heart. This is what Paul tells us to do. And what's the result? We'll look at verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see the picture that he's developing? It's like there's a, a, a sentry, a military guard standing outside the gate of your mind. And that peace of God will guard you, will guard your hearts and your minds. And it is not only, it is God who is your guard. That means he is totally vigilant. He never misses a beat. He never takes a break. He is always there. His filter is perfect. God will guard you, guard your minds and your hearts. You know, this is so far superior, God's peace is so far superior to the inner peace that the world tries to peddle to us. Oh, just look within and you'll be okay. That's not the answer. We're the problem. We need to look up, not in, for the solution to our anxiety. It is only in God that we can find the true peace that we need. He is the one who has accomplished it. It is only in him that we can have peace with him, peace with each other, and peace within our hearts. You want peace? You go to God. And you bring your request, you make your request known to God with thankful prayer. That is the first ingredient. The second is that the peace of God will guard you through praiseworthy thinking. Through praiseworthy thinking. Take a look with me at verse 8 of Philippians chapter 4. Paul says this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. This is far more than raindrops on roses, whiskers on kittens, bright copper kettles, and warm woolen mittens. And of course, these are a few of my favorite things. And we love Julie Andrews. We love the sound of music. But what Paul has in mind here is a lot more than just bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens. He is preparing the Philippians to endure the things that are going to come. And that's persecution. There are going to be difficult times that come ahead. We may encounter difficult times that come ahead. What we need is more than just positive thinking. That's not what Paul is talking about here. He is talking about praiseworthy thinking, where we are training our minds to think differently. It's not simply put positive thoughts in your head. It is to think God's thoughts after him. That is the only way that we can endure in this fallen world, is to take God's word and to apply it to his world. We need to take his way, not our own. So you might be sitting in a waiting room, anticipating the news from the doctor, the results of your loved one's surgery. And so you pray, you give God the whole surgery and the whole situation. You thank him for his provision, for doctors, for nurses, for hospitals. And give God thanks that in this country we have so much more than those around the world. 
Medical technology has advanced so much even in the past 20 years. They can do things now that would be unthinkable 20 years ago. We give God thanks. There is something to be thankful for, that no matter what the result, that his will would be done. You don't think about everything else that could go wrong, but you raise your thoughts up to God, up to his heavenly peace. We look forward to the new heavens and the new earth when there will be no more need for doctors, no more need for hospitals, no more sighing, no more tears. We give God thanks that he is with us now, and he will bring us home. We think differently about the circumstances that he has given to us. We think about praiseworthy things, things that are true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, things that are excellent. We think about these things, not about everything that could go wrong. Think about praiseworthy things. You might say, well, you know, that's, that's all well and good, but you don't know how my mind operates. It feels like I'm herding cats all the time. My thoughts go in every other direction. Praiseworthy thinking takes discipline. It takes hard work. It doesn't just happen overnight. Paul and other parts of Scripture will talk about training his body. He's training his mind his mind to think God's thoughts after him so that he may endure, that he may persevere through the various circumstances of his life. Look at the last line of verse 8 in the last sentence. It says, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Now we're reading the ESV. In the New American Standard, it says dwell. Dwell is to put your mind on. It also means to live someplace, right? Imagine a rainstorm like we had yesterday. We had some significant rain, especially through the night yesterday. And you can imagine a, a nice, wide open field. And the rain just dumps all sorts of water onto the grass. And it just soaks in. And maybe the storm keeps circling in the same spot and dumps all sorts of rain right in one spot. And the ground soaks it in. Then you find out a couple of days later, as the grass is growing and it seems exponentially, and then you have to mow it again, soaking it in. This is the kind of idea that we have here. Where does your mind live? What do you dwell on? What do you think about? What are the types of things that form the way that you think? It happens imperceptibly, very subtly. An hour on Sunday morning is not sufficient to have your mind trained to think God's thoughts after him. We need to sink deep into his word, to dwell on it, to think about it, to read it on our own. Yes, to come on Sunday morning and Sunday evening and any other opportunity that you have. We need to sink deep into his word. Is the Bible the only thing that we ever think about? Well, no but it is the filter by which we see everything else. It is the glasses that we wear to interpret the circumstances of our lives, to interpret other ideas that we come in contact with. It is the filter by which we see and interpret everything else around us. 
And so may we train our minds to think God's thoughts after him, to think praiseworthy thoughts, to think about praiseworthy things. And so what we do is we push out the mental garbage that is in our minds with things that are true and pure, commendable, that are just, that are praiseworthy. Let the mind of the master be the master of your mind. Let the mind of the master be the master of your mind. And so we see that the peace of God will guard us through thankful prayer, through praiseworthy thinking, and now lastly, that the God of peace will be with us through Paul-like obedience. Take a look at verse 9, please. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. If you've been reading through the book of Philippians at all, you will have seen that Paul is quite personal in this letter. He is in prison in Rome, most likely, and not in a prison like we might think of, but more under house arrest, where he is chained by hand to two guards, one on one side and one on the other. And he is building up the Philippians. He is telling them how they should live, how they should endure, especially in difficult times. And he is encouraging them. He tells them in Philippians 1.6 that the God who has been in work in them will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He tells them to proclaim Christ to those who are around him. And that is something that he has done as well. He tells them that to live is Christ and to die is gain. For everything that he has, he has counted lost, lost for the sake of Christ. He has put behind him his heritage, that he was the Hebrew of Hebrews, the Pharisee of Pharisees, of the tribe of Benjamin. He has put that all behind him for the sake of gaining Christ. He has demonstrated by his own example what it is to live as a faithful Christian. And as far as he is imitating Christ, he urges the Philippians to follow his example. And Paul is an example that we can follow as far as he imitates our Savior. And he holds himself out as such. And God loves to bless obedience. It might not look the way that we expect. Paul is in prison. <clears throat> but God blesses obedience. Isaiah 32, 17 says this. The righteous, or those who obey God, will have peace forever. So do you want peace? Obey God. It's blessedly simple. And enjoy the blessings that come with obedience to God. Have you ever noticed the different impact on your state of mind when you are practicing obedience versus practicing sin? No coincidence. Don't let yourself be robbed of the blessings of obedience by pursuing sin. We see an example of this in the beginning of our chapter in Euodia and Syntyche. We don't know exactly what the issue is between them, but they have a personal disagreement, and it is impacting the rest of the church to such an extent that Paul has to address it in this letter. 
Don't let disagreements over non-essentials do harm to the gospel and to the church of Jesus Christ. We put the things that are behind, we put our preferences behind us, and we strive together for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We lay behind what is behind, and we move forward. We don't have time to be embattled in issues like Euodia and Syntyche are going through. Our job is to see the forward progress of the gospel, faithfully taught from his word. We don't have time for our personal preferences to get in the way. We must be faithful to our vows, faithful to our marriage, to our membership, to our officer vows. We must go forward together, striving together, so that we can see other people saved in our communities. This is what Paul is doing. The, the only reason that those in Caesar's household hear of the gospel that we know of is because Paul is proclaiming it to the guards who are guarding him. And he uses even that occasion to be faithful in obedience to God. And so we put aside pride and we put on humility. And whatever circumstances God presents us with, we obey him. We are faithful to him. And in the face of what seems like common sense, even then we choose obedience to God. There's a story of a French general named George Mueller Massena. He was one of Napoleon's generals, and he had an army of 18,000 men. And he came up to an Austrian town. And the Austrian town was defenseless. The, the army was far away. They had no hope of any help. It was Saturday, and so they decided, well, in the morning we are going to surrender to this army. We have no chance to defend ourselves. And the old dean of the church said, that's all well and fine, but tomorrow is Easter, or as we might call it, Resurrection Sunday. So let us worship God, and then afterward we will surrender to the French army. And that's what they did. He rang the bell as he always did Sunday morning, and people came into the church building. They worshipped their risen Lord and Savior. And when they exited the building, they noticed that the French army was gone. And they didn't find out till later that it was when the dean rang the church bell that the French army thought that that was the Austrian army coming in order to save the town. And so the people received the blessing that comes with faithful obedience to God. <clears throat> they received the blessing. But we must keep in mind always that it is not our obedience that brings us any merit to God. It is only Christ's obedience on our behalf his life of perfect obedience, doing everything that the law required and doing nothing that the law forbade. He lived a life of perfect obedience. He died the complete sacrificial death on the cross, taking on our sin, the wrath that we deserved on himself. He was raised righteous on the third day, and now we have, for our own accounts, his righteousness accounted to us, not the sin that we deserve. 
He ascended into heaven, and now he is seated at God's right hand. He is ruling and reigning, and he is interceding, advocating for his people. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead. And his kingdom shall have no end. So do you want peace? You re repent of your sin and turn to him in faith. You can't get there on your own. Your resources are not sufficient enough. Your ingenuity is not creative enough. You can only have peace through God. So repent of your sin. Repent of living of, of your pride, of living for yourself, and turn to him in faith, trust, and obedience. He is the only one who is worthy. So are you afraid that a burglar is going to come and rob you at night while you sleep? Bring your anxieties to God with a thankful heart. Train your mind by his enabling grace to think praiseworthy thoughts, to think his thoughts after him. And ask him for the grace to obey him with Paul as an example. May we trust him for our life and for our salvation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your gracious and blessed word. We thank you for how it ministers to us at so many different points in our lives. Without regard to age, our various heritages. Lord, you know us. You know what we need. We need your peace. And we know that your world needs your peace. We ask that you would send forth your spirit, that the revival would begin in the house of God. Lord, and that we would see your peace extend through the conversion of many in our communities. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.